0: Oh, I'm Julie Swenson, Managing Director of Forward Theatre
1: Company in Madison, Wisconsin.
2: And I'm Mike Fisher, Milwaukee-based theatre writer and dramaturg.
1: I'm Jen Upoff gray Founder and Artistic Director of Forward Theatre Company. And this is Theatre Forward, a twice-monthly conversation about theatre from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theatre in the Midwest and around the country. Welcome to episode 97 of Theater Forward. Ah, wow. great. Getting close, getting close to <laughs> that. Um, so for this episode, we're going to talk about the ways in which current events can impact a play in production. And we're specifically going to focus on plays that touch on issues of women's bodily autonomy and how they are resonating differently with artists and audiences in a post dobbs decision America. And... I want to kind of just kick this conversation off with a a slightly unrelated anecdote from early in Forward's uh, history. And that is um, when we were planning our very first season. So we were back in about April of 2009. Forward was about a month old. We were reading scripts for our first season. And one of the scripts that we read was Christopher Durang's uh, comedy, Why Torture is Wrong and the People Who Love Them," which pretty directly engaged uh, with what the American government was doing, uh, what our military was doing in terms of torturing political prisoners. And um, I remember sitting around the table with our advisory company and discussing whether we should do this play. And somebody said, but we're not gonna be producing this until January, You know, seven months from now. What if this isn't in the news so much? What if this has stopped happening? And I just remember thinking in, in the, my grandmother's favorite phrase, "From your mouth to God's ears," uh, that we should be so lucky that that topic would have changed in a way that would really impact how an audience perceived it. and that that memory has been coming back to me a lot over the last uh, year or so, because as we record this, it's been just over a year exactly since news leaked of the Supreme Court's intention to overturn Roe v. Wade um, in their Dobbs decision. And the ways in which that sort of massive change in this country have changed how we have seen and considered scripts for production and how scripts already planned for production have resonated differently with our audiences and how it's impacting our future programming decisions. And it seemed like There's a lot to talk about.
2: Yeah. You know, it's um, I'm doing a lot of interviewing right now of different world premiere Wisconsin playwrights um, and writing for the world premiere Wisconsin blog. And three times. Just in the last couple of weeks with interviews from playwrights in three different Wisconsin cities, this has this has come up. Um, First was with um, um, Sam White's wonderful uh, Hush the Waves, which is a very personal story to him about both uh, both his sister and his uh, mother at 17 Became pregnant, one in 1948, one in 1978, and for for different reasons, were not the termination of the pregnancy was not even an option. So even though the second one was post row it, it wasn't on the table. And I asked Sam how this had how this was w- working through in rehearsal, and I said, you know, it really feels like after Dobbs, this this play is going to read differently. And he said to me, he said, Mike, I didn't write this with Dobbs in mind. I wrote this before that. I didn't write it as an abortion play. But then he also said, of course. The play is going to read differently to people now because autonomy and freedom are at the heart of what the play is about. And that means something different um, in, in this moment. And then Alice Austin, um, who is the Gracious Sisters, uh, just opened at first stage. You know, it's an adaptation of the of Aeschylus' The Humanities. What could that possibly have to do with abortion? Right. But but there are lines in there where there's a contemporary character Looking at this pivotal moment in history and in the history of drama uh, that deals with with the birth of some sort of system of fairness and rule of law. And this character, because of Dobbs, is thinking, well, I'm not so sure rule of law exists even in our own time. And then finally, in a play opening this Friday at Third Avenue Playworks in Sturgeon Bay, Jennifer Blackmore's just gorgeous um, script, I carry my heart with me, is about a Vietnam era stenographer um, who has to make a decision uh, about whether to have uh, a a child. Um she's not married. And and what Jennifer and you know just emphasized to me over and over again is her concern given the way that this plays out in the play that people are going to read it differently than what she intended when she wrote it because of Dobbs, and, and you know she she doesn't want and I understand this for her play to be hijacked by uh, an issue which is on everybody's mind right now and which is certainly part of now the way the play is going to be read, but which is not the way in which it was reading when she wrote it. It's a, it's a real struggle for playwrights.
0: Well, Mike, it's true. We uh, The way a play is written and when it is written is different than how we view it as an audience. And we're viewing it at a, a present day time um, and carrying with us the issues of that day. I think about uh, a production we did last season called Medellinian Debate by Quan Berry um, that wrestled with a woman um, in an un, uh, unplanned pregnancy and whether she wanted to have that child or not have that child. And the discussion was different in winter um, than it was uh, when the when the Dobbs issue came up. And And you would have to maybe change that discussion or at least reference um, where we are presently, um, to to produce that play, it would have to be acknowledged in some way.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I always think of of something that that Matt Daniels, an actor we've worked with many times, would say during talkbacks for the amateurs. And this is not an original thought, but I, I liked how succinctly he put it. And he would always say, "A play takes place in three different times simultaneously." It takes place at the time in which it was written and the context that the writer was living through. It takes place in the time in which it is set and it takes place in the time in which it is being seen. And that changes every single day, right? Right. Um, And Medellinian debate, which ran from late February through mid-March of 2022 and dealt directly with abortion. I mean, that was a major plot point of the play does this woman choose to have an abortion or continue with a pregnancy? And people engaged with that in a, in a particular way. The very next production that we did was Russian troll farm, which ran um, from uh, late April through early May of 2022. And there was a smaller, much smaller part of that play that dealt with uh, a character discussing the fact that she wanted to be able to have an abortion and was not allowed to. Um, and it was, again, that was a very uh, finite portion of the story. The, the leak about the Dobbs decision came down right before our final week of our run. And my goodness, did the feeling in the audience during that part of the play change dramatically. Because of the news that happened around us, and you can't, as a producer, sometimes predict things like that. You know, um, we did the Good People set in Boston uh, back in what was it, 2014, I think, uh, when the, um, the and the, the marathon Boston Marathon bombing happened during the run of our show, and it changed how people were experiencing this story that was so much about the people of Boston. And we wound up saying, you know what, let's let's do um, a collection, you know, for, for uh, you know, for funds for victims of the bombing in the lobby in a way to help channel the audience's very complicated feelings at the time. Like these things, you can't anticipate it sometimes. I mean, we could certainly anticipate that plays that dealt explicitly with the issue of abortion would r- raise complicated feelings for the audience. But we had no way of predicting that that Dobbs decision was going to drop in the middle of our run.
2: Well, and just even with Russian troll farm, I suppose you could you could argue that, you know, given that that Putin is such a thug that you could predict that at some point he was going to once again invade Ukraine. But but the fact that that happened in the context of our production, uh, even though when we planned it, we had no and that that completely changed on that issue, a play that is talking about Putin and doing it in a way that sort of a send up of him. And in a different time would just be read as he's a buffoon rather than being read the way the audience read it, which is he's a, a horrific, you know, genocidal dictator. Um,
1: we doing a play like The Amateurs that we
2: programmed. Oh, my God. Uh, you
1: yeah. know, we chose that play in early 2019. Yeah. It turned out that we were rehearsing it the first time in March of you know, February, March of 2020. We all know how that turned out, a play about actors outrunning a plague. Um, And then doing that play again in the fall of 2021 was, I mean, it was a, it was the same play and it was a different play because of what we had all gone through. And it's not that the words on the page changed but how we heard them and how the audience heard them.
2: Jen, What I will never forget about many things about that production in terms of its relationship to the plague. But on the very first day of rehearsal, when we were going around the room and Emily Glick was telling us that she was playing a character named Rona, (laughs) 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 which obviously resonated differently, uh, you know, in 2021. Yeah.
1: And so, so in some ways, this conversation, it's, it's about several different things. It's about how do you, um, think about the decision to program a play when you know what the current context is. And then it's also about how do you handle it when the context changes and the play is already in rehearsal or the play is already happening. You know, um, uh, obviously our talkbacks uh, at Russian Troll Farm evolved that final week when, when that leak of the Dobbs decision had come down. More people wanted to talk about that aspect of the play during the talkback than had in the prior two weeks of our run. Um, we talked about how, you know, good people changed um, and, and you sort of have to kind of roll with things. But the number of times that we thought, oh, gosh, is it responsible to be is it responsible to be doing this play that deals with Putin when Russia's just invaded Ukraine? Um, uh, does it feel responsible to continue doing our production of a play that is about Boston when there's just been this horrific attack on that city. You know, there's always those things and you kind of have to just use your best judgment and decision-making in the moment and, and solicit a lot of input and, and, and do the best you can. But then there's also the, big deci- the bigger decision of the world changes and then we look at what we're planning for the future and how, how do we adjust our plans. You know, I think about a play that we had been really taken with from its infancy, Heidi Shrek's "What the Constitution Means to Me," we had tried very hard to get the rights uh, back. You know, this is all pre-COVID um, and obviously pre-Dobbs. Uh, and I think we talked about this in our earlier season announcement conversation. Um, but we uh, had sort of let that go because uh, there was a national tour, and it was you know it was done a bunch of places. You know, we thought maybe our moment to do the play had passed, and then. Uh, last summer, in our very much post-Dobbs world, it changed our conversation about. Oh, you know what? Yeah, yeah. we should be doing this play that talks about the ways in which uh, the Constitution and our our laws do and do not support the half of the population that um, that has the ability to become pregnant. Um,
2: yeah. Jen, I mean, as somebody who, like me, saw the Broadway production before Dobbs, I mean, and I know it's really early days. I'm not asking you to give away state secrets on how you're <laughs> going to direct a play that's still a year away. But, I mean, just when you were rereading the script as you were thinking about programming it for this season, were you responding, like, can you can you track emotionally a, an emotionally different response than what you felt when you, Saw it on Broadway. I mean, it's powerful. no matter when, right? But did it change? Um, as and did you start? Did your director's brain just already start thinking about ways it's going to change how you approach the work?
1: Um, I'm going to say yes to the first part in that the rereading it um, is a play about many aspects of what it means to be uh, a woman uh, in in this country, uh, and the bodily autonomy of, of, of choice is one of those aspects. And I think that those aspects of it certainly hit harder knowing that the play was written pre Dobbs and that we'll be producing it post Dobbs. Um, I, I don't know that I've, uh, really, um, uh, started to make any decisions about how we're going to, address that in the telling of the story. I mean, we're obviously not going to make, you know, changes to the text that are not allowed, although this is a text that allows for some personal adaptation by the actor and the production, because honestly, we're not going to be in the rehearsal room with that for another like 10 months. Right. And I think we're going to want to be reflective of where we are 10 months from now. Obviously, um, I don't expect uh, uh, the Supreme court to have changed uh, this top on this topic between now and then, but what else is happening in the country, uh, may, um, evolve. And honestly, you know, honestly being here in Wisconsin, which anybody in the country pretty much has heard about how important our Supreme court election, uh, last month was, um, if that had gone a different way, that might've changed how we felt about that story here in, in Wisconsin. So, um, it, it, it's certainly going to be a different production than it would have been if we'd done it, two years ago, but all the ways in which it's going to be different, I think are going to continue to evolve right up to I'm going to say right up till opening night, but honestly, right up till closing night.
0: Yeah. And And I think, you know, just for people that don't know decisions about what the season will be is made a year, a year and a half prior to when a lot of these plays actually get produced so there is a huge guessing game and an anticipation will this will this still resonate especially for something as um as as topical as what the constitution means to me and how will it resonate at that time and you anticipate no this will still be relevant this will still these are still important things that she's talking about but audience is going to hear it a little bit differently even from now to a year from now right and and it's um Sort of the fun of doing this, you know. We pick sort of for our time and and hope that that it is important at the time it is being produced. Yeah.
1: And it's the risk. It's the fun and the mm-hmm. risk, right? It's the right. high wire act of trying to guess where we are going to be at the time at which we take in a production. And it and this particular issue of how um, how this country uh, legally. Treats women, um, and uh, and I, when I say the word women, I include all women. That that includes trans women. You know that includes um, anybody who is being impacted uh, by these limitations on our physical autonomy. Um, it, it it seeps into how we hear all kinds of stories. Not even one, just ones that specifically deal with the topic of pregnancy and and whether or not to terminate a pregnancy. So Medellinian debate talked about that explicitly. Um, Russian troll farm talked about that explicitly. The next play that we did that was in September of 2022, um, The Wanderers, uh, it wasn't, wasn't a play specifically engaging with the issue of abortion, but it did engage because one of the characters is an Orthodox woman who is uh, intrigued with the idea of contraception. And not having endless pregnancies, and that resonated differently, coming at the end of last summer. Um, and I think I think all stories that um, uh, touch in any way with the way in which our rights are shrinking, which is um, certainly not an unheard of thing in America, but it is unusual. We we tend to think of rights as be as expanding as we evolve as a, as a society. And this is one of the largest um, issues in my lifetime of rights shrinking. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, I would think back to, you know, the internment camps uh, for another, you know, example. And that was before my lifetime. Um, anyway, it's 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 it can, it can feel like very dark times. Uh, living in this country and uh, how how that darkness impacts the stories we're trying to tell is is it's a big thing.
2: I mean, I I think I hope. Well, I mean, I I know the production's going to be great because Jen, you're directing it, and Colleen Madden's in it. But I mean. I- I think about something like Constitution, which on the one hand, it's we're going to be watching something where I'm guessing it's going to be underscoring just how I I receive it, how any of us receive it, that sense of constriction. But also, and this is what makes theater so damn great. um, It gives the creatives who are involved in the production a place to sort of, even as they're describing that darkness, find the hope. And there's a lot of hope Mm and a ton of hope in in that play, I think about something. I mean, the sort of obvious classic text that we're seeing, we see a lot of, is something like Taming of the Shrew, right? Which, mm-hmm. I mean, APT did two productions in the last 10 years. And both of them were outstanding. One of them was Pre Me Too. Um, with Jim Ridge and Tracy Michelle Arnold in the two leads. And it read, it, it figured out a lot of things about a very di- difficult, problematic play that, that I hadn't understood or that didn't, hadn't made sense to me before. But it went one way in terms of sort of trying to make sense of this marriage. The one that APT did in the touchstone with five actors, um, and, you know, just coming out of the pandemic was a very different taming of the shrew. Both really smart, both wrestling with what it meant for women to have autonomy. Um, and bodily autonomy. I mean, that's at the core of that that play. Um, but it was like seeing two different two different plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and this is I, I I know every playwright listening to this now can put their hands over their ears so they're not mad at me. But, you know, I, it's not just that we're producing in my mind, it's not just that you have different productions of the same play. You are literally, of course, with the understanding that you're not changing words without permission. Words are such a not such a small part, but just one part of what you are seeing when you go to see something in live theater. And you are literally seeing a different play with a completely different message, because the play is is, is a collaboration between that person and all the creatives involved and the director and ultimately um, the audience. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. Jonathan Miller, who I've cited on this podcast before in his book, Subsequent Performances, which is such a brilliant book, says that every single time you see a production, you are seeing a new play. And he really believed that and and, and lived it in terms of the way in which he did his work. I mean, I love that about theater because it makes this programming issue both scary, but also means we're in the moment getting to change what it's all going to be about. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Well, and that's exactly that's to my the earlier point about um, what Matt says about when the play takes place and it existing in different times and every performance, not even just every production, but every performance is different because everybody's bringing the audience is different. It's different people. So what they contribute is new. And what happened in the world around them during that most recent 24 hours um, impacts how they take in the play and therefore how they give back to the actors on stage and how the words resonate. And it's 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 different every time. And um, I anticipate that the run of what the constitution means to me is gonna, I mean, I think every single performance of that production is going to be different. When I think about the fact that it's happening in April of 2024, during presidential election season and there's going to be primaries and caucuses happening all over and it's going to be these issues are going to be in the news every single day and there's going to be different developments and things that candidates are saying um and and uh, what people bring into that theater is going to be different every single performance um and yeah it's 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 to quote, you know, into the woods. I'm excited. I'm scared.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and and talkbacks will be really interesting for that one. Can't wait.
2: wait. Well, and it's like, as if anybody on this podcast needed convincing that that theater is the greatest thing in, in the universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's like you see a film and a film changes its meaning too. Right. But it, only within a, a certain limited parameters because it's set, it's in cellulate, it's done. Anything you see, that's not live performance is is sort of done. And yes, the audience can react to it differently, but it's done. Whereas as as both of you have just said, I mean every single time you come see what the constitution means to me next spring, you are going to be seeing a living breathing debate going on between what's going on on stage and the audience that will shape and change differently by night because we are living with something that is responding in real time to the moments that we live in. I mean, right. it doesn't get any better than that.
1: Well, and that's, and that's kind of the, <laughs> the point I wanted to, you know, maybe start to, to wrap up with, Mike, is that um, as uh, much of a, a tightrope act as it can seem to be, uh, knowing that you program these plays and then the world around you changes and who knows how people are going to take it in. And, and I say that with great empathy for those playwrights you were talking about earlier in the play, who earlier in the podcast, who um, have written plays that they did not think of, about having abortion and abortion rights be a major theme, and now they can't help but have to wrestle with that. Um, it's also the responsibility of theater, regardless of whether you are a classical theater, deciding whether or not to produce Taming of the Shrew, and how is that going to hit an audience in a post-Me Too world, or a theater that only does contemporary work, deciding should we do a play like constitution that engages explicitly with issues of a woman's right to choose in a post-Obs world, we have a responsibility to hold the mirror to nature, to do plays that reflect um, the concerns, the joys, the experiences the um, obsessions of our audience. And that doesn't mean choosing issue plays. And it's a podcast and no one can see that I'm putting little quote marks, air quotes around the word issue plays. Like we never set out and say, I want to do a play that deals with abortion. I want to do a play that deals with the environmental crisis. Like we don't search for scripts to do in that direction, right? We want to choose wonderful stories that resonate. But what we inevitably find is that the stories that resonate are the stories that do and in some form, either explicit or implicit, wrestle with issues and wrestle with, engage with the issues that are occupying our minds as members of our community. And, and we always are trying to reflect that in our programming. You know, What's on the minds of our audience? What are they trying to figure out for themselves or as a community? What are we trying to do better as Madisonians, as Wisconsinites? What are we trying to address to make our world better? And does this story help us do that? You know, and those are the plays that, and sometimes it's we need because we need to do a play like Airness that is a comedy that lets people just experience joy because there's been a lot of trauma in our lives. Or sometimes it's a, what the constitution means to me that's going to let us really explicitly rest, wrestle with how the legal system uh, is not serving half of our, our society. And everything in between, but it's always from the point of view of how can we how does storytelling help us make sense of our world?
2: That is like so a wrap and on this episode, <laughs> except that, of course, listeners, it won't be because tomorrow we could be talking about this in a completely different way, that's <laughs> exactly right. ah, okay,
1: Indeed, that's exactly right. Between this recording and and dropping of the episode in you know ten days or so, we'll see right. how the context changes. But right. uh, but yes, I, I'm I'm grateful to have all of your voices uh, in this effort here on the exactly. screen and and the voices of the people listening because we hear from you when you come to see our shows and when you um, engage with us online and the things you have to say, help us um, know what stories might be be useful. So I'm gonna say with gratitude to everyone uh, that that is it for this episode of Theater Forward, a conversation about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest and America. I'm Jenna Hoff Gray.
2: I'm Julie Swenson. And I'm Mike Fisher. Our podcast is produced by Scott Hayden, and you can follow us or share your thoughts on Facebook and Twitter at Theater Forward. As always, something that's inflexible, something that we will not change <laughs> regardless of circumstance and time is that theater is spelled with an E-R.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you might tune in. And as we said, would love to hear from you. Please leave a comment.
1: We're very grateful to have you listening and we will be back soon for another Theater Forward conversation.